The following program is sponsored by Friends of Life Outreach International. When her family found out she was pregnant with me, my grandmother forced the abortion, the saline infusion abortion upon her. And that abortion should have ended my life by scalding me to death. And you know, but by God, I'm alive. Melissa Oden not only survived, but thrived in the home of her adoptive parents. Eventually, Melissa makes contact with her birth mother who was living in grief for 30 years. Next on Life Today. so much. Welcome to Life Today. I'm James Robison. I don't know how often you go to the stream, but I hope you go there every day and uh, really make the issues, the news that matters to people who care about life, love, liberty, about freedom, about the future. Go there. You'll get the news that matters and you'll hear voices and insight that will be inspirational and transformative. And uh, one of the things you're seeing on the stream is a revelation of the horrors of abortion and what's gone on in such a secretive way in so many ways in Planned Parenthood. And to think that it is being funded in huge numbers of dollars and support by our taxes, which is like taking from us to support America's Holocaust. And that's the termination of more than 50 million babies in the womb, the most helpless. Please understand this. I'm not supposed to be here. My mother went to the doctor to have me aborted. I, I am the product of a forced sexual relationship on a nurse, 40 years old, caring for an elderly man in his home. And the alcoholic son raped her. And she conceived her first child at 40 and asked a doctor to abort me. Had every reason to, good reason. But God had a plan for a little unexpected, unplanned for a child in difficult circumstances. And I know there are people who are pro-abortionists who think James Robinson is their best argument for abortion. <laughs> they think if anybody confirms we should have gotten rid of somebody, there he is. Well, the fact is that I was not supposed to be born in the eyes of many people today. And the tragedy of taking innocent life that has potential and promise should break our hearts, little innocent ones. Well, my guest today, was aborted. She was aborted with a saline solution, but she lived. And she was left by those in the clinic there, back in a side room in the area where she was aborted to die. Obviously, she was alive. Two nurses found her. She's our guest. Would you welcome a miracle birth? Melissa Oden to life today. Well, Melissa, I think in today's world, I wouldn't have been born because there was an opportunity everywhere. There wouldn't have necessarily been a doctor who looked at my mother and knew about the circumstances but said, I, I won't do it for whatever reason. I want to believe that he saw the potential of a life, mm -hmm. the possibilities. Tell us your story. 
Yeah, I think you're right. You know, I always point out to people, 38 years ago, my birth mother was forced to abort me. I think if it would have been today, I definitely would not be here because our culture and our landscape has changed that much. So she was actually forced by other family members to terminate a pregnancy, correct? She, she was. My birth mother was 19 years old, a college student, not married to my biological father. And, you know, I've learned in recent years, she actually hid her pregnancy for many, many months from her family because she wanted to protect me. You know, she knew her family well enough to know that they had intentions for her and I was not one of them. And so she protected me, hiding that pregnancy, um, keeping me from that abortion that she believed was going to happen. And unfortunately, she was right. When her family found out she was pregnant with me, my grandmother, her mother, who was a nurse, you know, certainly knew a lot about when life begins. You know, that very nurse, my grandmother, forced the abortion, the saline infusion abortion upon her. And that abortion should have ended my life by scalding me to death. And, you know, but by God, I'm alive. But unfortunately, you know, it changed my biological mother's life and everyone around her forever. How long before you realized what happened? Because obviously you're very much alive. You're very much outspoken about the preciousness and potential of any life. You seem to have a great uh, uh, understanding and appreciation for the fact that your birth mother, in fact, did want to have this little baby and uh, was forced to have the abortion. How long after all of this, and you so obviously found your way or someone found you, uh, how long before you knew what actually happened? You know, I grew up knowing I was adopted. After I survived that failed abortion, you know, first of all, I shouldn't have lived. My grandmother delivered me there in the secret abortion at a hospital, demanded that I be left to die, and I was, as you shared. And, um, you know, I was about 31 weeks gestational age, fighting for my life, respiratory liver problems, suffered from seizures for an extended period of time. And, you know, I think a lot of people would look upon that and say, that's a life not worth saving. Mm. And that's a baby that no one's gonna love. But my adoptive parents met me when I was still in the neonatal intensive care unit. And, you know, if people ever hear their story, you'll hear them talk about how the first time they laid eyes on me, they fell in love with me. Hmm. And I don't doubt that for a second because they love me that much still today. Isn't that great? And so I knew that growing up, you know, we were kind of swapping stories earlier. Adoption was normal in my family. My parents struggled with infertility for 15 years. Mm. So adoption was our norm. My older sister's adopted, I'm adopted. And then lo and behold, along came my little brother 15 years later. <laughs> How about that? And we couldn't figure out why they had him. Well, we, had the same, we had the same thing happen with us three years after we got Randy. Mm -hmm. We weren't supposed to be able to have another child. Betty wasn't supposed to be able to conceive because of a a condition called endometriosis, mm -hmm. and lo and behold, three years after Randy, uh, about almost nine years after our first child, well, here we have our little baby girl. Yes, Scott has a funny sense of humor sometimes, yeah, I think. And we enjoyed it, frankly. Absolutely. Everybody did. Okay, so when did you find out what actually happened? I was 14. I grew up knowing I was adopted. What I didn't know, of course, was the abortion that led to my adoption, and it was brought forth in a way that nobody saw coming. My older sister faced her own unplanned pregnancy as a high school student. And you know, we knew what a gift adoption was in our family. We knew about the preciousness, preciousness of every human life. But like so many young women in that position, my sister was 
going to have an abortion. She was very strongly considering it. But I'm so thankful that she, no matter how scared she was, she always knew that she could turn to our parents. How old was she at that time? She was 18, mm -hmm. just hadn't finished high school yet. And so, you know, it was about 23 years ago that she told our parents about her unplanned pregnancy. And they really felt called by God to tell her the truth about my life, hoping that she would understand the depths of that decision that she was considering. And, you know, after she found out about my survival, like any good teenage girl, she didn't keep it a secret from me for very long. It came out, not from her, but she led me on to ask our parents more questions. And, you know, I'm grateful that because of my story, my oldest nephew is about almost 23 years old. Yeah, great. You know, that made all the difference in the world. And it made all the difference in the world to me to ultimately find out the story of my life. All right. Tell us about your birth mother, because I know you had to wonder, and I'm curious to know when you actually found out the circumstances of grandmother's decision and, and your mother's position. When did all of this begin to unravel to where you could kind of see what happened? You know, and then have you met your birth mother? I love how God kind of gives us the opportunity to come to things in our own time. And it's been an unfolding process since I was 14. I started looking for my birth mother when I was 19 both my birth parents really at that time because I wanted them to know that I loved them and I had forgiven them for that decision that was made to end my life. You know, back then I thought that she made that decision. I didn't know she was forced to abort me. I didn't find that out until about two years ago. So started looking when I was about 19, didn't find my birth parents till I was almost 30, mm -hmm. which I learned a lot in those 10 years and I needed to. Mm -hmm. But when I found my birth parents, I discovered that I was living in the very same city as my biological father. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Now, have you visited with him? We have not connected. I sent him a letter after I found out that he was there and unfortunately passed away before he could ever send something in response. Okay. But through his passing, his family found out about me. And, of course, he really wasn't a part of the process to do this. This was the grandmother that right. was saying this is the way it's going to be. But he madly, he was madly in love with my biological mother all wow. those years ago. And so, you know, he passed away and his family found the letter that I had sent him before he passed away and they came looking for me. You know, it's this love story that yeah. that Jesus writes, right? Yeah. I mean, he brought me to them and so now I have a relationship with my grandfather and my great aunt and my birth father's family. You know, I couldn't find my birth mother years ago, but I had found her family, and so I sent that grandmother a letter back in 2007 asking for them to let my birth mother know that I was alive and loved her. Wow. And my grandparents responded to me, and I'm thankful for that. Uh, but they let me know that my message of forgiveness would not be passed along mm. because they no longer had a relationship. Mm -hmm. And that makes a lot of sense to me now that I know what I do. Um, but it wasn't until 2013 that a member of her family contacted me. It was a cousin, and she told me about the role my grandmother played in the abortion taking place and that it was forced. And it was through my cousin, though, that I got to have contact with two of my, I have two half-sisters that I now have email and, you know, all snail mail contact with. And it was my cousin who put me in touch with my birth mother. How did that go? <sighs> yeah, I always have to take a deep, deep breath. Um, it, it was as hard as anybody could imagine, but it was hardest because there was one other secret about my life that I didn't know. 
it was so hard to have contact with her because she was in just this terrible state of grief. She spent over 30 years of her life believing that I had died that day at the hospital. Mm. She didn't know. And so when we first connected with one another, she questioned how I could love her, especially now that I knew everything about how her family was so deeply involved in it. And, you know, I think people could probably see the tears in my eyes. That's the hardest thing for me, for someone to say, you can't love me the way that you say you do. I kept thinking, how could she not believe me? But I understand now that she wasn't loved the way that I was loved. Wow. And so it's been transformational, not just for me, but for her. You know, she is starting to experience joy in her life. She is starting to forgive herself and the people that put her in the position that they did because I get to model that to her, that I forgive all of them. I love all of them and all of us deserve so much better. And on those days where I don't think I can talk about this, I can't stand in front of legislators and plead for them to fight for life, she is the one cheering me on behind the scenes and saying, mm -hmm. Melissa, Isn't that good? I need you to do this. Don't you thank God for that, the fact that the mother who was forced is now really in your, not a prayer, not only a prayer partner, but cheering you on. Do, and do you think that uh, you all will get to be close? Yes. Well, we, we pray that. I want you to know we pray that. And your mom may be watching this. We're, we really love you. And we want you to know you're loved. And uh, you can be a part of healing a nation that needs to be healed. And I know that's your desire. It is. What do you want Americans to hear from you? What do you want Planned Parenthood? What do you want our <laughs> legislators to hear? You know? <laughs> yeah. For anybody out there who wants to somehow convince themselves that a life in the womb is not yet a life, look at me. Look at me. Look at my children. You know, I have two beautiful daughters who would not be alive today if that abortion would have succeeded in ending my life. And my children are raised to know that because we hope to make a difference in the world because of that. So I want people to recognize that. I want people to recognize that they are loved and they are forgiven no matter what decisions they make in their life. There is hope and healing and forgiveness to be found. I want people to heal just like my birth family is being allowed to heal. I really want to say to you that you look at it really honestly. How, how can we devalue a life that innocent and precious and not realize that we're devaluing all life. Mm -hmm. I think that contributes to the devaluing of every life, the devaluing of police officers and people in various places and the older people. It's just, it's, it's, it just makes me say, Father in heaven, forgive us. God, change us. Change our hearts. Heal this nation. Use the church to stand up like a bright light. In Jesus' name. Amen. Don't you believe, Melissa, that if the people who claim to believe in God, who believe we have a reliable standard in the Word of God, the Bible, we have a reliable standard. The people that believe the foundation for freedom must be a solid rock that withstands, as Jesus said, the storms that are sure to come because the foundation is solid. That those people who believe that, if they would stand up that we could speak to our leaders in Washington and say you will not take the people's money and use it for that that is so unspeakable 
and that we can change things and not only change bad laws, but change hearts so people can see the beauty of a person like you and hopefully to see someone like myself who have three children, 11 grandchildren, now a great grandson and to know all the people we've tried to help all over the world to say life is precious no matter what. Do you believe in this studio audience that we should stand up and begin to protect and preserve the life of the world? That America needs a new day, a new day. And I know we're gonna work together for that. Do you believe that we can see this change? I do. Do you see hope? I do, but it is gonna take all of us being willing to be involved. Not just believe, but to be willing to say and do. I want to say something that I've not said, and I'll just zero in here real close. We'll be sure we're, we're making eye contact and hopefully heart contact. I don't see how a, a person who knows Christ, who knows God as Father, can support a person, a candidate, a representative, a party that approves and promotes the taking of the innocent life in the womb. I, don't believe, I do not believe that someone who loves God and believes he is Father and Creator and that Jesus is the one who reconciles us to the Father and who forgives us and gives us new life and the capacity to love, that those people could support a candidate or a party or a platform that allows the diminishing of the importance of marriage between a man and a woman and commitment to one another. And when we miss the mark in any community, heterosexual or homosexual, we don't move the mark to accommodate our failure. We move back to the mark. And here's something else I believe very strongly, Melissa. We who believe God and believe his word, we have a standard. We have a reliable standard of measure. We must never take the standard of truth and right and use it as a club. We must lift it high and pray for it to have a magnetic attraction mm -hmm. to return to the security and safety of what God says is the hedge of protection. And that's his truth. No matter how miserably fail, we all do, we fail. We do miss the mark, but we've got a mark to return to and we need to be drawn to it in love. So I pray that God will use those of us who know God and love God to love others to the point that we can inspire them to do the right. Do you believe we can see that day in America coming very soon? That we will actually hold up the truth to transform and we'll do it as people who become a shining city set on a hill. I wanna thank you from the bottom of my heart. Pray for your family, for your birth mother, for dad, for everybody, connected and everybody you influence because you will be speaking to Congress. Will you all pray for her as she goes before Congress and she tries to get people to think straight? Thank you so much for sharing your story. You. We're doing something, and this is our last week right now for the emphasis. It's very important. We are trying to get young girls and women released from sexual bondage and trafficking. It's horrific around the world. And you, the viewers of Life Today, have told us this is very important to you. I want you to just look in right now, and I want you to witness something that love can do everything about, and we can see a miracle. And I want you to watch this very closely. I promise you, when you see this, you'll say, okay, I know we need to deal with that. There's no room for discussion. We need to help. We can help. The issue is, will you? I believe you will. Watch closely and watch prayerfully. When we see children being children, laughing, playing, it brings a smile to our face and joy to our hearts. But to the human trafficker, 
they see young bodies who they can control and exploit for money through forced prostitution. Trainee was once a happy child playing with her village friends. Then one day a relative of hers promised her a good job in the city to help her parents who were in desperate need of money. To her horror, Shrainee's relative ended up selling her to a human trafficker who locked her up in a room and forced her to perform sexual acts for several men. Three days later, she was let out only to work in a karaoke bar and solicit more clients for the trafficker. The harsh reality is Shrainee is not alone. There are thousands of innocent young girls who are trafficked every day. In the twinkling of an eye, their lives can be destroyed by depraved monsters that live in darkness. Something must be done, not only to help Shrini, but to reach out to other precious children who are being held against their will, or are at risk of being trafficked. You know, in eternity, the Bible says God will wipe away every tear. As you looked at the tear, did you not want to wipe it away? Uh, when Jesus was crucified, do you wish you could have given him some water when he was really thirsty? Do you wish you could have alleviated the suffering? Well, he said, if you do it to the least of them, the least of these, you've done it to me. We can, and this is no exaggeration, we can set many captives free little children, and what we ask you to do right now is to help us build a rescue center where we will actually be able to get girls out of the situation, not just get them as we do so often, and it's so important, as the predator and the traffickers are trying to get the kids and get the children. We get them. But we can now, with your help, if we can build this rescue center, it's a rescue home, it's a miracle facility, we can get them out and take them where they'll be secure and safe. We cannot tell you where it's gonna be built. We can tell you it's gonna cost about one and a quarter million US dollars. If it was here, it'd probably be somewhere around four million, maybe five million. But where we're building it, it's what I just mentioned, about one and a quarter million. Now, we wanna build this center. We believe it's absolutely critical. And this is the last week now that we're asking for your help. But now here's the miracle, think about this. One family, so believes in what we're doing, and they've been blessed. And they said, we're going to give out of our family foundation $820,000 toward that, which means that we need to raise 410, and we'll have the amount that we now realize it's gonna cost. So we're asking you please to help us get that 410,000. And this is the last week now that we're asking, and we're believing it's gonna come in. It means that whatever you do will basically be multiplied in its impact three times because it's a two-to-one gift. Would you right now go online, lifetoday.org, or dial the number, and take your bank card. Please do it. Go ahead and move now to do it. You can listen as you're moving. But take that bank card and use it like a check. If you could give $1,000, it would be multiplied. Think about this. $128 is what it takes to take care of one of these we rescue for a year. And we need many of those gifts. $1,280 helps us take care of 10. But the beautiful thing when we're thinking about this rescue center is, as we receive the money, whether it's $40 or $80, you think about 40, and it's gonna immediately have a $120 impact. So whatever you can do is gonna be tripled. And we can see the miracle today. 
If you do what God leads on your heart, that's the miracle right now that you can give birth to. Would you do it, please? We have some gifts to send you that I promise you will be a source of inspiration and blessing to you because we always want to bless you. But you're going to be setting captives free. You're going to be part of a miracle in many people's lives. Thank you for going online, lifetoday.org, or dialing that number. If you want to write a check, by the way, make it to life, but call us and tell us what you're putting in the mail and then mail it this week. Thank you so much for doing it. Innocent children, created to be happy, loved, and cared for, are being abducted and sold at the hands of violent predators, their spirit and bodies broken under horrific emotional and physical abuse. Our dream is to build a unique child rescue center in Southeast Asia, a safe haven 100% dedicated to rescuing young victims from the sex traders and helping them begin the recovery from the abuse they have suffered. This dream of a new rescue center can soon become a reality with your support, combined with a promised $820,000 matching gift. All we have to do is raise an additional $410,000 to begin construction. That means your gift today will be matched two to one, having a triple impact. Gifts of $20 will be tripled to $60, $40 will be tripled to $120, $80 will be tripled to $240, and generous gifts of $1,200 will be tripled to $3,600 to help us rescue children from sexual slavery. With your gift of any amount, we'll send you Sarah Young's newest book, Peace in His Presence, favorite quotations from Jesus Calling. Also, please consider a gift of $1,200 to help us build the Child Rescue Center, and you may request this beautifully framed canvas print of the Forest Chapel. This is the last week. Please call, write, or make your gift online. Millions of people have been blessed by the writing and the devotions by Sarah Young. Jesus Calling, these are the favorite quotations from it peace in his presence. And we're seeing this to say thank you for any gift that you give. We've got the beautiful Thomas Kincaid Forest Chapel for gifts of over $1,200 to help us. And we just thank you for doing that. And I want to say, and I ask all of you to join me, I want to say thanks to Melissa for not only being a miracle baby and a miracle birth, but being such a great testimony for life. Would you say thanks to Melissa? <laughs> Melissa, bless you and your journey. Bless your family. And bless everyone that had anything to do with this wonderful birth. The nurses had found her and wouldn't let her die right there in the hospital. God bless all of you. Thanks for watching Life Today. Thanks for sharing Life Today.
66% of the general population has extreme anxiety when their mobile device is not nearby. Hashtag struggles next week with Craig Groeschel. Life Today is made possible by the supporters of Life Outreach International. Your gift will be used exclusively for the exempt purposes of life. The ministry features specific outreaches as examples of the programs it supports and conducts. Gifts are considered to be without restriction as to use unless explicitly stipulated by the donor. The ministry is a member of the ECFA.